and welcome everybody to another bangers and classics podcast and that's with me james ruppert and him david malloy and uh, what's david been up to this week well we'll come back to that perhaps oh, but right. james i have some car spots oh good i have some car spots the first of which was quite pertinent when i mm. saw it it was the day after we recorded the podcast we just put out yesterday mm. and you may say the featured car on it was over 75 it was yeah well i was driving through the village the next village a couple of miles away and lo and behold there was a over 75 parked in the pavement outside a shop mm. and it looked in absolutely pristine nick i have to say it was metallic gold i didn't research the color i don't know it offhand but it was just sitting there looking actually really really good so there you go mm. synchronicity or what yeah well there you go and then mm-hmm. the day after that um i was coming back from the m74 um out in the countryside and heading to in the opposite direction towards the motorway was and I thought this at first was a Mark V Ford Escort, but it wasn't. It was a Ford Orion. All right. An H-plate Ford Orion in very vivid red, and it had a rear wing that looked to be a, an aftermarket one, but it actually fitted the car pretty well, mm-hmm. and it looked to be in spiffing nick as well, and obviously being driven. Um, yeah. So that was good. So you're talking about, you know, again, 30-plus-year-old car in use. Mm. And then, a couple of days ago, Outside the supermarket driving past was a Fiat Panda, an L registration Fiat Panda. So, yeah, you might say the classic shape Fiat Panda. Mm, yeah. You know, the phase two version of the classic shape. Yeah. But it looked pretty good. It looked, you know, in used condition. It was clearly driven a lot. There was yeah. a, young la- a young lady driving it and she seemed perfectly happy. And good. absolutely, she should be. So, there we go. So, that's my spots. But also, mm. remember last week we spoke about a chap who played for the Marshall uh, Amplifiers Works that's football right. team? Yes, very much so. Well, funnily enough, He's, he's a friend of the family, and he phoned to speak to my mum a couple of days ago. So um, I spoke to him, and he confirmed, yep, he did indeed play for that team, and he knew Jim Marshall. Goodness me. So there you go. As for the rest of it, James, I've just been up to the usual things. I've been working on a new book, right. um, getting towards the end of sort of part one of it, and then part two to be done, and hopefully it'll be out maybe in a month's time or so. So there we go, James. What about you? What have you seen, and what have you been doing? Well... Oddly enough, David, I've, uh, I've got some breaking news in that um, I saw one of those new defenders um, actually being used. Um, so it wasn't on a school run. Um, it was actually towing a trailer. Um, on the trailer seemed to be uh, either oxygen or uh, acetylene uh, bottles. Um, but it was just the fact that there it was, one of those. And I, I, was, in, I was in my uh, lorry at the time. Uh, there was no waves exchanged, so no no one was harmed in the making of this. Um, but it was uh, just uh, incredible to see someone using a brand new Defender mm. um, as a Defender. So there you go. So uh, I may be the first person in the country to see that actually happen. I don't know. If anybody uh, can help, uh, that would be great. Apart from that, I've seen a few things. Um, I saw a very interesting scene um, the other day, and it looked like a 10cc album cover. So it was a very bright day. Um, some old boy had obviously pushed his MGB uh, roadster out of the garage so that he could use it, and he was watering his garden. And uh, there was actually some uh, school kids uh, taking pictures of him doing that. They must, they must have had permission because the way they were standing, it was very strange. Um, uh, so, so in two ways, yes, it, it did look like a, um, uh, a, a sort of an era 
um, of 10cc cover by hypnosis if anybody is uh, familiar with that mm. um, and uh, it, it also reassures you that yeah youngsters um, appreciate um, older vehicles and that's yeah there are some people at school think yeah that's a cool car so there, there is hope for all of us um, apart from that I saw a Rover P5 saloon uh, which was quite a shock um, sort of searching for petrol petrol at our, our, our way or fuel on the whole um has been very hard to come by recently and uh, uh i think they managed to well they well they couldn't have found any because there wasn't any for me to fill up with there was no there was no e5 where um, i was but um it was nice to see um a rover p5 saloon uh, which was good um and then finally in the car park within within minutes of seeing that i saw a morris minor and it was a one that was old enough um to have the trafficators so um it it actually had plumbed in proper indicators as well but it also had those flappy flappy paddle things that uh, come out of the um uh, side of the car to uh, indicate which way it's going and i found i don't think i've seen that for many years mm. so that was quite nice but it was in good nick but again it was a used it was a used car you could see that yeah someone was using it it was uh, it wasn't just a show uh, pony it was actually um out and about so um yeah i was quite pleased with my little haul of um, um scenarios and cars this week i imagine you would be james's i would very, that's a very good haul yeah well i knew a, a chap who had a triumph stag he used to what he was flower beds with really yeah he'd wheel it out the guy would join <laughs> the flower beds turn the engine on put the bonnet up steam would come yeah. out of it oh, obviously right. as the steam cooled you got water yeah. droplets mm. fall on the flower bed yeah there you go yeah i think that's terribly unfair to, 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 uh, to put on the <laughs> I know, it's shocking. I know, I'm I'm a disgrace. Also, there was some news Mm. as well I forgot to mention. The Jeep that was once mentioned in this podcast, Mm. uh, Jeep has been mentioned a few times in this podcast, uh, has been exported. It's gone gone to Ireland, and hopefully it will live again there, because we got some very bad news about it from the garage and Mm. sold it for spares or repair. Um, It's a long saga, which I won't bore listeners with, but what I would say is, don't do what we're doing, buy it blind. Make sure you get a car, particularly that type, checked out before you buy it. And that's what we did with its replacement. Mm. We had it checked out. And we have now, as a workhorse, got a BMW X5. A somewhat venerable X5. Mm. It's a little tidying here and there, which will be attended to. It's nothing drastic. And I have driven it. And mm. yes, I am impressed. So there you go. I actually am impressed by a BMW. I well, preferred well, I'm it. pleased to hear that. <clears throat> well, you know, I had a couple of Z4s in the past. One of which I liked and one of which I didn't, mm. but neither of which really handled very well on wet roads. I thought the X5 was, was much nicer to drive. It yeah, didn't. they're great cars. They're great cars. Yeah, so, yeah, I was very, very pleased mm. with that. And I think on that unexpectedly positive note, let's take a quick break. This is Bangers and Classics, the motoring podcast presented by James Ruppert and David Malloy, otherwise known as the men that time forgot. Or oh, we're back here in Bangers and Classics after the break. <laughs> yeah we're back after the break and we are going to do this week's banger or classic and it's a car that well doesn't make much of an impression in the uk they sold Mm. a few uh but you know it really never gained much traction at all it's the fiat stilo which was produced from 2001 to 2007 in europe and i think elsewhere in the world possibly brazil was it it went to about 2010 anyway mr whopper i think Mm. you does what you think of it and whether or not it's a banger or it's a classic. 
Uh, it's a banger, David. Oh, straight in there. Straight, yeah, you have to because uh, I, it is one of those cars. I, again, I can't remember. I think it was two thousand and one to two thousand and seven, um, um, and it replaced uh, effectively the Brava and Bravo, didn't it? Mm. So you, yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a solid little thing, solid enough little thing, um, and at least they weren't going down some uh, retro route. Um, to sort of recreate past glories or anything. They were trying to create something genuinely new, um, but I don't think very many people cared uh, in the UK about it, which probably explains why there's not very many about at all now. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, it, it, it isn't terribly exciting. Um, it would probably do a job now. There's some uh, small petrol engines, you know, which would probably... Uh, uh, last a bit there's uh although there, there, there was an exciting one wasn't there um uh arbath uh, thing mm. with a 2.4 engine and stuff like that um but it's uh it sort of didn't touch the sides really i don't i think if you stopped anybody even if they like cars i think they might struggle to uh, uh create a mental picture of what a stilo was i mean it's quite a good name yeah um, but apart from that no it's it was just a workaday sort of thing it's sort of the equivalent of a uh, of a Ford Escort, I suppose, in a way. Um, but, uh, yeah, a JTD80, you know, as a, a diesel workhorse would probably suit somebody uh, very, very, very well. You know, you get 50 miles a gallon out of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, there was a three-door and a five-door, but, yeah, there's nothing too exciting. It's a banger. Uh, well... Think, really. but, you, but you could disagree, of course. I think I may have to, yeah? James, oh, well. yeah. Um, I mean, steel, though, I think it's a different spelling, but uh, does that mm. not mean uh, pen in French? Oh, it could be. I don't know. I think it does. I can delete mm. this bit if I'm wrong, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, <laughs> I will. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as, as you say, James, it was um, three five-door hatch. Yeah. And there was an estate version as well. Mm. Oh, um, yes, was. I remember the actual advert when it came out, the television commercial, and it was pretty rubbish. It was pretty underwhelming. The rest of you that seem to get an advert, and I don't think we ever got it here, with Michael Schumacher and Rubens Barrichello in it. Oh, really? Um, nice. Yeah, which was quite comical. Mm. Barrichello was driving it around the circuit involved in the race, pulls into the pits. Schumacher's all suited up, ready to get in. Barrichello won't let him in. This happens a couple of times. He makes pit stops. And uh, he locks the doors in Schumacher at one point. And he comes in for his third pit stop, and there's no one there to service the car. And you can see Schumacher and the mechanics all playing pool or something. And there's a sign saying self-service. <laughs> Schumacher <laughs> laughingly pointing to it. Which was quite good. Schumacher appeared in a mm. couple of adverts for Fiat around that time. Yeah. He also did one, I think, for the Bravo, the later Bravo with Kimi Raikkonen. Mm. Which, again, I don't think came here. No. Um, which uh, was typical. Kimi in it, they, they played to his strengths, which was uh, saying not a lot. <laughs> and turned into a great strength. Um, but Go back to the the Stilo. Uh, Looks kind of Germanic, really. It didn't look mm. terribly Italian. Now, I wasn't really too fussed about looking at it. I thought it was quite bland at the time. But looking at it again, there's one version in particular I think actually does look good. Um, we'll come back to that. I think, with the benefit of hindsight, it actually wasn't a bad-looking little car. Mm. Um, it had electric power-assisted steering. As you say, James, it was an Abarth version with a 2.4-litre engine with 170 brake horsepower, which is not a vast amount when you consider the capacity of the engine. Yeah. But never mind. And some of those were lumbered with um, 
Fierce Automatic, and there was it called the Electronic or the Cell Speed yeah. Box, Selecting. which yeah, mm. something like that, Bo Selector Box, uh, yeah, <laughs> which wasn't a great idea. And Fiat lost a shed load of money on them apparently, and they're only seven hundred and sixty nine thousand built. But they also produced a Michael Schumacher Special Edition. This isn't to be confused with the um, Citroen C four Lobe Edition, which really wasn't very exciting. The Schumacher Edition was actually very nice. And in the UK, you could have a Schumacher GP edition, which was fettled by ProDrive. But I had to look, see if one for sale. Couldn't find one. Well, I could find one in the UK. It wasn't the best one. There's one for sale in Australia, and it looks absolutely amazing. It's a Schumacher edition, Russell Corsa. It's got the perforated seats. It looks more or less as if it's six months old. And when you see it in its splendor, it's got a nice sender body kit that was standard on it. You think, yeah, that really does work for me. It actually is a nice-looking little car. Mm-hmm. Apparently, drives pretty well too. So I have to say that would have temp- that that would be tempting to me. Absolutely, no question about it. One like that in that sort of condition, and of course, they were all in that sort of condition when they were new. So simply because of that, and only because of that, I'm going to say it's a classic. Mm-hmm. But the balance of opinion may be with you, James, because I think they only sold just over forty thousand in the UK, yeah. and there are fewer than two thousand left. But I don't care. I like that Schumacher mm. edition that's for sale in Australia. And what I'll do is I'm going to put a link up to it on the podcast when this episode goes out so people can judge it for themselves, mm. see if I'm right about it or if their opinion differs. Um, and there we go. So I'm classic, and you're still banger, I take it? Oh, very much banger, yeah. Oh. Even more banger after listening to your um, impassioned plea, David. I'm sorry. That's twice, that's twice in a week. I mean, first of all, I couldn't persuade you to like the Talbot Solara last week. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Yeah, so now yeah. I've got... Oh, yeah, you're dissing the Fiat Steeler as well. Oh, what yeah. is this podcast coming to? Well, you're you're, you're creating a, a forecourt of mediocrity, David, and uh, I can't let that continue. No, 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 I'm... I'm going for the alternative choices no, here. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, things that perhaps didn't get the day in the sun for, for various reasons, but maybe were harshly judged. Um, and maybe with just a little work, just a little bit of tidying, just a little bit of effort, you know, back in the day by the designers and marketing people, there could have been something a lot better. But yeah. that's the Schumacher Stilo that's for sale in Australia is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I would definitely have it. Uh, <clears throat> a, if I could afford it, and B, if it's here. But since probably neither of those things is true, I'll just have to admire it from afar. Anyway, we'll move on, shall we? And we have a challenge this week. But I think what we'll do mm. is we'll do that after the break. Oh, okay. Um, because you're going to be surprised, James. Really? Well, did I cheat again this week or did I follow the rules? I have no idea. Well, I followed the rules, but I still think you're going to be surprised. And mm. I've also written down the piece of paper here, the mm. car that I think you were going to go for. Oh, okay, go on then. Okay. All mm. I'll say is, just now, the model name's got seven letters. Right. And that's it. And we'll be back after the break to find out if I'm right, or if, yet again, I'm wrong. And now, a word from our sponsors. And we are back after the break with this week's challenge. And challenge is to find a coupe version of a 1970s British-built saloon. Has to be roadworthy. And so far as we can tell from adverts, but there are no other criteria you can buy anywhere. It can cost any amount of money. Mm. And James is going to go first. Am so, I? Yeah, well, I think so. Oh, I'm, right. I'm desperate to know. Are you? I read your mind on this and picked out the car you're going to go for. 
All right. Well, yeah, it's a, it's not, it's not an easy challenge, really, is it? It's, it's quite difficult. It's very specific. Um, and uh, even though you go um, uh, off piste, uh, usually <laughs> by the one you pick, David, but. Um, uh, and it was very odd that I'd already picked this by the time I'd um, actually seen uh, a Rover P5 saloon. So what I obviously picked was a Rover P5B coupe. Um, was that from the seventies? From the seventies, I've got a nineteen seventy-one oh. Rover P5B coupe for sale. Bum, I'm wrong then. Well, I don't know. Um, no, I'm, I'm wrong. Now I looked at a few of these because the, the price of them uh, they do vary. There's there's some which are extremely expensive. You can you know easily get thirty forty uh, grand uh, very very quickly. But I found one which um, seems to have been in the same family for forty years. Um, uh, the leather was extremely creased but original, um, and it looks fantastic. It's in zircon blue um, with a white roof, so it's not dull at all to look at. Um, and it's just fourteen four nine five, and that seemed to me like incredible value for money. Ninety eight thousand the mileage. Um, it's for sale in London, as I say. It's, it's just got two previous owners after the last one for forty two years. A massive history file, and um, uh, it just seemed like sort of a, a magnificent car to drive around in. Um, and it's um, it's been MOT'd as well, so it's MOT to the end of the year. Uh, stainless steel exhaust um it just looks like you know quite a fantastic car i mean you, obviously you need to know a lot more you need to stick it on a ramp and have a closer look at on it but but really from the pictures and the description it looks like the most magnificent um uh, rover p5b coupe um you could buy and uh, very good value like half the seems like half the cost of some of them so, um yeah i rather like that um i'd be interested to know what you thought i was going to buy but uh, there you go. That's the one I did. I thought you were going to go for a Granada. Well, I was going to look for a Granada, but I actually didn't hold out too much hope. And because I'm terribly mean, David, I just think, oh, they get someone's going to charge me too much money for that. So even though even though you you've given me um, uh, all the money in the world, um, uh, I I don't really buy cars like that, unfortunately. So yeah, I did think about it. It did it did cross my mind. You're not incorrect in that. Uh, I thought about it, but. Uh, yeah, um, uh, instead of going for a marina, I thought I'd go for uh, a four-door big coupe. But James, you make the yeah. Getty family look like paupers. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, yeah. what, what on earth have you gone for, David? Uh, because that's always the, the more exciting uh, uh, choice, because uh, all of a sudden you, you, well, you, you picked a, a submarine or a spaceship, usually. So there you go. <laughs> Bit of both, really. Yeah, is it? Oh, Okay. I went for an example of a car with mm. the most iconic door handles in history. All right. What is it, James? Well, that would be a marina then. Yes. <laughs> and I have to say, that was my intention right from the start with this. Oh, right. I'm going to go for a marina. Nobody ever gives it any love whatsoever. No. Mm. So I'm going to go for one. Yeah. And I found two. Oh, uh, right. Same place. They're both in Denmark. Yeah. Um, I think one's right-hand drive. Yeah. And I'll just check that for you, if I may, Mr. Ruppert. I believe there's one is right-hand drive and one is left. Yeah. But uh, the one I'm going for is the left. No, they're both left-hand drive. My mistake. But the one I'm going for is, uh, is left-hand drive anyway. It's a 1300 Super Coupe mm. from 1975. It's an orange. Mm. And the advert says that it's covered 37,000 kilometres, mm. 
which is about roughly just under 23,000 miles from new, uh, apparently never been used in the winter, and it was the same couple had it from new until 2020 uh, for 45 right. years. Mm. Never been restored, and the ad says it's totally free of rust, and it certainly does look in extremely good condition. The underbonnet area, yeah, you could give it a tidy up, really detail it for a conqueror, and it's a dent in um, one of the side panels, so not a big dent, but it's, it's there. But you've got you know a car that's complete. It's very much a period piece. You've got all four original hubcaps there. You've got a gloriously uh, 70s-looking blowpoint push-button radio. Yeah. Um, which looks basic even by um, but blowpoint standards because obviously if you bought a cheap blowpoint radio, you were getting the absolute minimum of equipment with it, minimum of functionality, nothing else. Um, to get a really good, a really um, all-singing, all-dancing blowpoint, you had to spend lots of dough, as you know. And, of course, this one, well, whoever bought it didn't. It's got 58 horsepower, which is fine. That's all it really needs because you're not going to be anywhere fast and you won't want to drive Marina quickly anyway. Uh, lovely black final interior. And, yeah, it's absolutely spiffing. Costs about £7,900. Obviously, there'll be import fees on it. Maybe you can negotiate because it's a garage that's selling it. Mm. They've also got for another just over £2,000, if you really wanted it, you could have an earlier, a 1972 mm. 1.8 TC Coupe, which has done 25,500 miles. Um, it's in a sort of, well, I suppose, a sort of tan colour, I suppose you'd call it. Um I have to say, I didn't like it as much as there is a dent somewhere in it. Yeah, it's down like in the lower swage line. I think there's a dent. It's got styled steel wheels. Again, a black, a bluey black vinyl interior in this one. Um, fake wood paneling. It's got more instruments, obviously, being the 1.8. Um, but I actually thought the 1300 was in better condition. And, you know, since you're not going to be belting around anywhere quickly in the marina, why not go for the cheaper version? But, you know, if you're really into marinas, hey, you're not going to find two with this sort of low mileage and probably in this sort of rust-free condition uh, easily. Why not buy two of them? Start your own marina museum. And, of course, you're going to say, James, I'm bringing the podcast down into the depths of mediocrity once again, aren't you? Well, just to let you know, you have been breaking up a bit, David. I don't know if you want to listen back to that. Um, uh, but, I can't uh, really. I'll do it again, right. But, uh, but, uh, but, but, but for me, that just increased the enjoyment. Um uh, I'm glad that you've located two because it makes it much, much easier to um, uh, have them crushed. So uh, it'd be great. Oh, shocking. To be arranged. Uh, no, you can't. I don't you think there's... You're not Jeremy Clarkson, for goodness sake. You don't want to be Jeremy Clarkson. Terrible things ever. They're just really uninspiring and dreadful. And uh, I yeah, but they at the time... My, mm. my dad had one as a, like a lone car I can remember, and I could, and even though I was I was only have been about twelve or thirteen and quite irritating, um, I really <laughs> just thought this is just awful. Well, I thought what a terrible, terrible, terrible car this is, and it was, and so I haven't changed my mind since. So yeah, I've made it my mind. I do it under you know undercover, obviously, but I do go around the world um, extinguishing any surviving uh, Morris Marinas. And in particular, coupes. All right. Well, just to add a little bit to it. <laughs> just, just to silence add, then. No, not really. I'm just thinking, well, what can I say to that? I mean, uh, dear, oh dear, oh dear. The man's a hooligan, you know, uh, that's it. That's uh, I wash, I wash yeah. my hands. Well, quite frequently no, these days, right. obviously. Um, what the ad goes on to say about the, the 1.8 oh, yeah. 
is it's driven no more than says, 500 kilometres in the last 25 mm-hmm. years, and mainly only for inspection. And mm-hmm. it's got a little surface rust in a few places. There's never been any yeah. welding or anything done to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they say it's one of Europe's finest of its kind. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I know you don't like marinas. They weren't objectively great cars, but they're a souvenir from you know a decade that we both lived yeah. through, a decade of change, and an important decade for Britain in many ways. Not always a good decade for Britain in many ways. But yeah, I rather like them, so they get my vote. Uh, we'll let the listeners decide. If, if you think that I am completely wrong to be supporting the marina on this, do tell us. Um, if you think James is completely wrong to be wanting to destroy them all, please tell us. In fact, especially tell us if you think James is wrong, because that'll be even funnier. Yeah, but it's a really simple choice, isn't it? What would you rather have, a Rover uh, a P5 Coupe or, or a Morris Marina? I, 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 I fail to see that anybody would disagree with that choice there. Uh, me, okay. me, me. <laughs> I would, because I'm... Yeah, I would. I just don't know. The P5, I don't know. I never really took to it. Um have to be honest and say that. There's just mm. something about it. But uh, the Marina, yeah. Okay, you can, we, can, we can talk about how it was a rubbish car, because... Frankly, it wasn't anything like what it should have been. It should have been a good car. They should have, you know, they had plenty of time to develop it, and they messed up as they often did. But there's still something about it that I like. I like the fact that people like these things, that they don't care what other people think. They're going to go out and get one and have it and cherish it. That's great, you know, because it's all it's an individual thing. It's all about what the individual thinks. It's not there's not going to be bullied or kowtow to peer pressure. Do your own thing. Anyway. And on that note, we'll take a break and we'll come back with, I think, yet another bone of contention between Mr. Ruppert and I. Mm-hmm. It's this week's Danger Zone. This is Bangers and Classics, the motoring podcast equivalent of Mr. Magoo. We have absolutely no idea where we're going. And so we are back after the break. We're going to go into the final segment of the podcast. But first of all, I'd just like to say that James is always saying that it's to spread peace and love everywhere. I do, Absolutely. Uh, it's just emerged that he, what he really likes to spread is pieces of Morris Marina everywhere. There you go. <laughs> you know, I'm shocked and appalled here. I really am. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see what he makes of this. Mm. It's this week's Danger Zone, and the Danger Mobile is, and Russ Wallace will be listening to this, I'm sure, mm. the guy who's done a couple, I've done a couple of books with. Uh, Russ will be listening because the Danger Mobile is the Citroen XM, which ran from 1989 to 2000. And Russ has got one. So, James, can you mm. think of any good reasons why we should be looking to preserve the XM? Well, it is a thing of wedge-tastic beauty, isn't it, really? It's a it's a lovely uh, design that uh, looks like nothing else on Earth, really, mm. or in space, really. You know, you could put a couple of wings on it, and I think people have, and uh, it, it looks like an, uh, uh, an interstellar um, support vehicle, really, doesn't it? It looks as though you mm. could uh, fly through the air. It's a, a wonderful thing. Um, I mean, obviously, it, it's completely mad uh, when you consider, well, it was, it, it was slated to go up against things like BMWs and Mercedes, which in, in many ways were actually quite boring by comparison to look at. Um, but uh, it was a time when Citroen tried very, very hard uh, to be different. So uh, there's a lot to celebrate there. Um, yeah. But there's also a lot to worry about. If it breaks down, it will, it will cost you a bit to sort out. Oddly enough, I've been looking at quite a lot for sale recently. They're, they're not outrageously expensive. Um, no. And there are ones that have been sorted out hugely in that someone's invested a lot of money 
uh, in the suspension and whatever. And I saw a, was a really tidy one, not that far away from me. And it was two and a half thousand at a dealer. And it's had a lot spent on it. Uh, and you think for most people, yes, if you wanted to take a take a risk, uh, that would be uh, a very sensible way to um, have a large family car. And it was a diesel as well. So actually the uh, the consumption wouldn't be too bad. But yeah, overall, I really like them. And uh, it would be a, a very comfortable and uh, rather lovely thing to own. Mm. Yes. I mean, you say that, uh, you know, you could use it as a spaceship. Well, obviously, mm. you think about this, if you're making a low-budget sci-fi film, yeah, stick a couple of fiberglass wings onto it. Obviously, mm. you know, mm. make it removable and don't damage the car when you're doing it. Mm. There you go. It's a cheap spaceship for you. But yeah, I mean, Citroen introduced it as a replacement for the long-lasting and much-loved uh, CX range. Yeah. Even though CX did continue for a while, um, you know, alongside the XM, I think for a couple of years anyway. But this is where things fall down. Citroen hoped to replicate the sales success of the CX, mm. and it didn't. It was a very much diminishing returns. They only sold 333, 334,000 of them in the 11 years it was in production, um, which <laughs> in turn dwarfs the number of uh, examples of the XM success of the C6 that were sold. You know, so Citroen, unfortunately, had to move out of the big car market because yeah. there was no point. They just mm. simply weren't finding the buyers which was a shame because they offered something different. The XM came along, as you say, in 1989. It had Bertone styling, so that's always usually a good thing. In this case, it was a good thing. It um, had high tractor suspension, so a slight development of the previous hydropneumatic units, which, of course, were good enough to be used by Rolls-Royce, but the car was blighted, and the, even the suspension was blighted by electrical issues. And that was a weak point. I think many of those were later sorted out, and there are fixes fallen. If you have an XM today... You can sort those out fairly easily and I think fairly cheaply for the most part, which is a good thing. But back in the day, it harmed the car's reputation and harmed sales. Uh, also lacked Deravi, which was uh, Citroen's uh, very, very clever variable assistance power steering system, which automatically returned wheels to the straight ahead position if you took your hands off the wheel. And the XM didn't have it. And I don't know why. It seems a bit odd because it was a great system. Uh, very, very clever indeed. But what you did get was a roomy car. It looked like nothing else, as we've said. Very good range of engines, ranging from a 2-litre 8-valve petrol engine, then 16-valve and turbo versions of that, up to a 3-litre V6, and plus some turbo diesels. And you could have it in a five-door hatch or an estate. It was facelifted in 1994. The styling of the facelifted version was something of a retrograde step over the earlier versions. However, there were some useful improvements made to it. But there are cars that are known as Phase 1.5 vehicles from about 1993 or so, which have effectively the Phase 2 improvements without the compromised looks. So that's a good one to go for if you can find one. In terms of numbers, well, as I said, they sold about a third of a million of them. In the UK now, as at the last published figures by the Department of Transport, the DVLA or whomever does it these days, there was 151 on the road with 622 examples on Soren, and that was it, which ain't a lot. And it's such a, an interesting-looking car, um, a good car to drive, a good car to ride in, that it really would be a damn shame if those disappeared too. So again, what we'd say is, if you're into cars that are interesting, you like a bit of room, you like your clever engineering, and you're not, you don't really spend too much money on these either, because they're not vastly expensive, as James has said, then Citroen XM is the way to go. Save one. Yeah, I think we should go and uh, we should go and get one as a 
uh, bangers and classes support vehicle i think really. <laughs> so we can, we can go instead of uh, wasting money on hotel bills we can uh, we can lay out in the back of uh, our very own xm we can talk we could talk about we can have a sort of tent with it mm. um but the trouble is james we're buying so many cars for the support fleet it's going to yeah. look like the wacky races before yeah, well, long that's, yeah that's a good laugh isn't it yeah it would be wouldn't yeah. it <laughs> Uh, collectors' cars. Every so often, we have to stop and collect the, the bits that fell off of them yes, all. Yes, exactly. Who, who right. cares? It would be fu- it would be fun, and that's what it's about. Anyway, I think we've covered just about everything we need to cover this week, James. Mm. I can't think of anything else. Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I think no. I think we've we've plumbed the depths as usual. Yeah, we have. Yeah, and <laughs> um, we did have quite a good fight um, halfway through. And uh, if you're just coming to this late, you have to rewind to hear that. But there you go. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Mm. Yes, J- James is. All for going out and bashing uh, various Morris Marinas around with yeah. a lump hammer, yeah. uh, and he just to free a steal as well, which you know is appalling. We did, however, agree in the Citroen XM, mm. so that that's one thing. Who knows what next week will hold? Well, exactly. Mm. Let's find out, shall we? Next week. Thank you very much for listening. Please take care and uh, yeah, but um, please have a go at that and uh, yeah, listen to all our positive vibes that we send out. Yep, absolutely. Um, and if you've got a Morris Marina and you see James coming, for goodness sake, throw a tarpaulin over it and hide it from him. Either that or throw a Hammer Horror actress over it and uh, I'll be distracted. There you go. Oh, before we stop. What? Yeah, God, yeah, Hammer Horror actresses. There's a chap I sometimes uh, chat to on social media. He, mm. he writes books about various interesting things. And he likes old and unusual horror films and sci-fi films. He's been watching one recently called Star Crash. Guess who stars in it? No idea. Your pal Caroline Monroe. Excellent. A young Caroline Monroe is in this, and I believe she's yeah. in a lead role, though I think her voice may have been dubbed in it. I've not seen the film. Mm. I am told it's absolutely appalling. Yeah. But, well, it would be, but that's okay. But nonetheless, um, mm. certainly, it's Caroline, if you like Caroline Monroe, go and check mm. it out. And incidentally, James, have you heard back from me yet about your Mini Cooper offer? No, uh, I wonder why not, but uh, no. Uh, I think they've got more important things to do. They've got a, they've got a TV station to run rather than uh, uh, keep old motoring journalists um, they could, uh, amused well, and happy. They could make a, a documentary about it when James met Caroline. Well, exactly. There yeah. You there you go. I, I'm pitching that to them now. Oh, okay. So if you're, if you're listening to people from Talking Pictures TV, there's the pitch for you. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you where you can send the check later. Okay. And on that note, everybody, we are going to say goodbye this time. Take care. Oh. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>